one chapter in two sessions. But, but we're working hard at this, Pastor James and I. Chapter 2, a covenant in Canaan. Now, it's, this chapter deals well, well with with a particular woman. And, and there are, in the Hebrews 11th chapter, you look about those people of great faith. It mentions two women, Sarah, the wife of Abraham, and Rahab, a harlot of Jericho. <laughs> Sarah was this godly woman, the wife of the founder of the Hebrew race, and God used her dedicated body to bring Isaac into the world. But Rahab, she was this ungodly Gentile who worshipped pagan gods and sold her body for money. Now, humanly speaking, you can't even compare the two. But divinely speaking, Sarah and Rahab shares one of the most important things in which we need to have. You online and we here in this sanctuary that both had, had exercised saving faith that is true in a true and living God. Now, not only does the Bible associate um, Rahab with Sarah, but in James, the second chapter, it also associates her with Abraham. James used both Abraham and Rahab to illustrate that the true saving faith is always proves itself in good works. Now, I know we don't get to heaven by works, but I'm going to talk to you more about this, about that work thing. But there's more that the Bible associates Rahab with is that it associates Rahab with the Messiah. <laughs> wow, you talk about, you know, family that you may not want to talk about. But, but Rahab is associated with the, with, with the Messiah. In fact, if you go to Matthew, the first chapter, and you read through all the genealogy there, in Matthew, Rahab's name is listed among Jacob, David, and the other famous people of a messianic line, Rahab of all people. She certainly has come a long way, baby. Romans 5 verse 20 says this, but where sin abounds, grace did much more abound. That's the thing that, that just lights my fire. You, you want to know what gets me excited, and I guess everything, but, but really what gets me fired up, excited, shouting, cheering, and dancing is that when, when someone like Rahab, someone with a background like her, raises to a position that she was placed in, in the lineage of the Messiah, Jesus Christ, I go, wow, look what God can do. But keep in mind that what is most important about not her lineage, but was her faith. That is the most important thing about any of us, isn't it? Because in Hebrews eleven six says, without faith, it is what? Impossible to please him or to please God. Now, in 
in this faith, there's all kinds of faith that is out there, but it's not all biblical faith. I'm going to talk to you about this biblical faith. So what kind of faith did Rahab have? I want you to... Wow, is that? I want you to pattern your walk in Christ after Rahab here. You're thinking, huh? After this harlot? You want me to pattern my life? Listen to me. Is that number one, that is that Rahab had courageous faith. Let me read this out of um, Joshua, the second chapter, verses one through seven. Then Joshua, the son of Nun, secretly sent two spies from Shittim and go look over the land, and he said, especially Jericho. So they went and entered the house of the prostitute named Rahab and stayed there. I really have an intriguing mind, of all people going to this house, why would they lead to this house, and why did they spend the night at this house? The king of Jericho was told, look, some of the Israelites have come here tonight to spy out the land. So the king of Jericho sent this message to Rahab. Why her? Bring out the men. Maybe he had word that maybe they were with him. Bring out the men who came to you and entered your house because they have come to spy out the whole land. And the woman had taken the two men and hidden them. And she said, yes, the men came to me, but I don't know where they had come from. Hmm. Lie, lie, pants on fire. <laughs> At dusk, when it was time to close the gate city, they left. I don't know which way they went. Go after them quickly. They make, you may catch up with them. But she had taken them up to the roof and hid them under the stalks of flax. And she had laid out on the roof. So the men set out in pursuit of the spies on the road that led to the Forbes in Jordan. And as soon as their pursuers had gone out, the gates were shut. Both Hebrews 11, chapter 31, and James, the second chapter, verse 5, indicate that Rahab put her faith in the Jehovah God before the spies ever really arrived in Jericho. Now, listen to this. That's so, so very important. It's like the people of Thessalonica that she had turned her God, turned to God from the idols to serve the living and true God. Now, there's also a group of people that she really wasn't like that Samaritans centuries later who feared the Lord and at the same time served their own gods. How do you do that? And is that possible? That, that, that can you stride both sides of the fence? You can't. But yet somehow we put in our minds that we're able to do this. We're able to dabble in the things of the world, but yet worship the Lord on Sunday. You know? Wow. What begins to happen in our minds and hearts can be frightening and deceiving. Jericho is this city-state in Canaan. Each city like this had their own king. 
And, and it's not like this city was a gigantic metropolis. It was eight or nine acres. And around it was this double wall that was 15 feet high that was a wall, space, and another wall. Rahab's house was in that wall. And meanwhile, Jericho was this strategic city that Joshua had planned to conquer. Because taking that land, he would cut right across the middle and divide that land. So it would be easy for him once he divided the land he could go and take the south, um, then he could go and take the north. But here's what's intriguing, is that 40 years before that, Moses sent 12 spies in Canaan, and only two of them gave an encouraging report. I think Joshua was one of them, and he was, and he think, you know what, I think what I'm going to do is, I'm going to send not, you know, um, 12 spies, I'm going to send two. So he sent two spies into Jericho. And Joshua wanted to know what was going on in that city. Not that he did not believe that God says, I will give you the land. But he wanted to hear what they were saying. He wanted to hear what was going on. Any good general wants to know what is happening behind the enemy's lines or the enemy's walls here. So how did the two spies make their way through the city without immediately being recognized? And how did they end up to meet Rahab? Now, we certainly believe in the providence of God. And God knew Rahab's heart. And I have to trust that of all people that God would, would send these two spies to her. They had to be thinking, And yet, they were obedient. And that obedience, God honored in them and in Rahab. See, the Hebrew word translated hearted can, can mean one who keeps the end. Now, that is in the Old Testament. It's translated that way. And if we would just stay there, we may be able to excuse this as that she was only a keeper of the end. But in James 2.25 and Hebrews 11.1, 1, the writers in the Greek word didn't mix any words. She was a prostitute. And it's remarkable how God, listen to this. Here's, here's what lights my fire. It is remarkable how God in his grace uses people that we might think could never become a servant of God. Now, it's going to get really good here. In 1 Corinthians 1, 17, beginning with verse 17, from the New King James Version says, But God, I love it, but God had chosen the foolish, thing, foolish things of this world to put to shame to the wise. How often do we see that? And God all has chosen the weak things of this world to put to shame the things which are mighty. And the base things of the world, and the things which are despised, God has chosen. <laughs> Boy, I tell you something. <laughs> Be careful, folks. 
Because th th there's people out there, I hate Biden, I hate Trump, I hate Pelosi, I hate, you know, you know this you know, person and that person. And God's saying, really? I might choose to use them. Then what are you going to do? Because he used Paul, and Paul was the bin Laden of his day. And he used him. And listen to this. And the things which are not, to bring to nothing the things that are, that no flesh of glory in his presence. Here's what it's saying, is the things that are not to bring to nothing the things that are. It's such a powerful statement. Those things which people see as nothing, God sees them as he intended them to be. I have to wrap my mind around that stuff and go, what are the possibilities in the world we live in today of who is God going to use? When we are told that we can or the world can, uh, will never mount up to anything, God sees something very different. When we, when we tell ourselves that our past is too tainted, and God could never use us. God sees something much different. Remember, with God, with God, with God, all things, all things are possible. Do I hear a shout? You know? I want you at home. I want you to hear a shout. I want the neighbor saying, what's going on in that house? You know, give it a shout. You know? Because God could do all things in touching, changing lives. Jesus was a friend of publicans, <laughs> tax collectors, and sinners. And he wasn't ashamed to be associated with them. Here's what I love when I wrote this down is God specializes in dysfunctional. <laughs> Woo! <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Do I hear a shot? Amen. See, Rahab took her life in her own hands when she welcomed these spies into her home. Because, well, there was evidence of her faith because what she did. True saving faith can't be hidden for long. So this idea, when someone says that, that you tell them that you're a Christian at work or somewhere, and they go, oh, are you? I didn't know that. And I go, wow, what was wrong with you? I mean, they couldn't tell that there was a difference in you. There was not that walk that you had that could be seen, not that you were walking so pious you know, with your nose up there, that you were out there serving people, loving people, caring for people. You were watching your mouth on what is going on in the chaos today. You were praying for our political candidates and not condemning them. That you were working together in the community to care for the love of people. I'm telling you, church, they need to see that that is going on in our lives. And since the two men represented God's people, she really wasn't afraid to assist them. Now, had the king known that, he would have slain her as a traitor. 
since Rahab was a believer at that time. So here's the thing was intriguing. How do we defend her lies? On one hand, she demonstrated her faith in the Lord and risking her life to protect these spies. On the other hand, she acted like a pagan in a city where she lied about her guests. Perhaps, though, maybe we're expecting too much from a new believer who had little knowledge of God to be, just enough knowledge of God to be acquainted with salvation. Because, you know, wasn't it Abraham for a season and Isaac? They resorted to deception. Didn't they tell people that their wives were their sisters? And, and wasn't it David who lied to the priests so that he could be safe because Saul was out looking to kill him? So we had better be, well, maybe we shouldn't be too hard on Rahab right now. Now, this may not want us to encourage lying, simply to look at, well, what she has done. Lying is wrong. You know how I know that? Proverbs 12, verse 22 says, the Lord detests lying. Lying lips he detests. But he delights in the people who are trustworthy. So, Maybe, maybe, you know, I could, would we lie if it meant our own life? I don't know. But would it be that much harder to lie if, if I didn't lie and a whole a lot of lies would be taken? Well, that, that's a challenging thoughts, isn't it? Now, many people have honored people who were deceiving like this in wartime so that the enemy wouldn't know what was actually going on. And maybe in our little minds that we could put her in as a freedom fighter. <laughs> but let's set the ethical aspects aside here. One thing I do want us to see is that Rahab exercised this faith because she was risking her life for these two spies that she really didn't know only who they came from. James saw her actions as proof that she was truly a believer. She, you know, in James 2, 5, he says, she could, she was called righteous. She was called righteous for hiding these spies. Sometimes our faith comes to a place to be challenged, church. This courageous faith in which Rahab had. In these troubling, troubling times in which we are living in, I believe that our faith is going to be challenged like it's never been challenged before. And are we going to take that stand for that righteousness of God and walk in the well, glory of his presence in our lives, or are we not? See, what kind of faith did Rahab have? Well, number two, Rahab has 
confident faith. Let me read verses 8 through 11, and it reads this way. Before the spies laid down for the night, she went up on the roof, and she said to them, I know that the Lord has given you this land, and that uh, and that great fear of you has fallen on us, so that all who live in this country are melting in fear because of you. We have heard how the Lord has dried up the waters of the Red Sea for you when you came out of Egypt and what he did in, in Sion and Og and the two kings of the Amorites east of the Jordan whom you completely destroyed. When we heard of it, our hearts melted in fear and everyone's courage fell because of you. For the Lord your God is the God in heaven above and on the earth below. You see, faith is only good as its object. Some people have faith that they just think that they have to believe. Uh, believe what? It's almost they say, in the name of the Lord, as though it is abracadabra, that he's going to become their cosmic servant. Am I going to serve him if he heals me or not? I love that story about what Pastor James shared about Dawn. She just lost her husband, who this family is, I'm telling you, is close, tight-knit. They're not woven together. They are melted together. They love each other. They're there for each other. And yet she was concerned about the faith of people because they literally had vigils. People would go to that hospital, park out in the parking lot, and pray over Randy and everyone who was sick in that hospital day after day after day. And when Randy wasn't healed, well, <laughs> maybe he was. It's hard because he was a dear friend of ours. But the life that he's living, Don says, I want your faith to be in God, not in what you get. Keep praying for miracles. Don't give up on those things. And there's, there's this other faith. Some people have faith in lies because they just want to believe what makes them feel good. I, I read about a psychologist who, who says, well, he had this support group, and he says, most have some kind of faith, even if it's faith in a soft um, drink machine. I'm thinking, what? The faith is in the object. And what happens in that Coke machine is that if you run out of change, it's not going to do you any good. A um, uh, Martin Lloyd-Jones reminds us that faith shows itself in the whole personality. Listen to this. True saving faith isn't just a feat of intellectual gymnastics by which we convince ourselves that something is true that really isn't true. Nor is it merely just stirring the emotions, getting emotionally stirred up over something, saying, now that's true, because it might not be. Nor is it just having this courageous act. 
I'm going to show my face. I'm going to crawl up on top of this roof, and God's going to save me when I jump off. Once I jump off, I'm going to realize I'm falling. He's not going to save me. There's the thing of the law of gravity. And I'm going to say, Lord, forgive me. And he says, I do. Hmm. You see, true saving faith involves the whole personality, every aspect of it. The mind is instructed. That's the word of God. The emotions are stirred. That's the work of the Holy Spirit. The will then acts upon the obedience of God. That's our response to it. And, and Hebrews eleven seven says, but faith by faith Noah, being warned of God of these things not seen as yet, that's intellect. Move with fear. That's emotion. Prepared an ark, that's the act of the will, of trusting in God. Rahab had that kind of faith. She knew that the Jehovah of the true God in her mind. Why? Because she had this fear. What was that fear? What she heard about the stories of what God was doing in the mighty miracles as this Israelites were coming their way. And she received these spies into her home as an act of that will of obedience. Unless the whole personality is involved, it is not really saving faith that is described in the Bible. Because we could be led astray in so many things. I could Google anything I want until I find what I want. And it may not be true, but it Googled, it told me it is. And I could find all types of other Google places that tells me it is. And it doesn't mean it is. You know? I could walk along the route tracks all I want and toot my horn and say I'm a train, but that's not it. You know? Of course, though, it doesn't mean that the mind has to be fully instructed on every aspect of the Bible's truth before the sinner is saved. The, the woman with, with the hemorrhage, she just knew that all she had to do is to touch the hem of his garment. That simple faith. Rahab's knowledge may have been a meager knowledge, but she acted on what she knew. <laughs> I love that part. That's why sometimes, can I tell you old Christians here who've been in the faith for a while? That's sometimes, that's why some of those young babies of Christ, they do these miraculous things because they're just acting on, on what they knew. I, I, I love it when I see children praying over adults. Yeah, I mentioned a while back is, is, is that we had our children lined up here and they were praying and, and, and people came down and they laid hands on them. Boy, I can look forward to those days, huh? And, and, that, and, and there was this guy came down and knelt beside this little girl. Maybe she's maybe around 10 years old, something like that, nine years old. And, and, and he raised his hands. He had this vest on and this motorcycle stuff and chains, belts, and things and everything on him, tattoos on him. And he raised his hands up. And she put her little hands on him. And his hands started to shake. 
You see, when we act on what we know, we don't have to wait until we know it all because we're going to wait forever. And this is that in Joshua 2, 7 says, I know that the Lord has given you the land. She knew that when she talked to these two spies. And she acted on it. It wasn't just her feelings. It's what she heard. In Romans 10, verse 17 says, so then faith cometh by hearing. Thank you, sound room. Thank you, Erica, as you are using this live streaming, going across this city, going across this country, going across this nation, going across this world. This gospel is being heard and hearing by the word of God. So since the report of the Lord's power had traveled to Canaan, they were afraid. Listen to this in Exodus, verse chapter 15, start with verse 14. And the people shall hear and be afraid. Sorrow shall take hold of the inhabitants of Palestina. Then the dukes of um, Eden shall be amazed, and the mighty men of Moab, trembling, shall take hold upon themselves. All the inhabitants of Canaan shall melt away. Fear and dread shall fall upon them. See, God's promises is God's promises. And, and it's our walk. You see, when, when people see that walk that has been proven within our lives, they're going to sit up or stand down or whatever they're going to do, but they're going to take notice. This then, Deuteronomy 2.25 this day I will begin to put the dread and the fear of you upon the nations under the whole heaven and shall hear the reports of you. Is there anything that people can give report of? I'm telling you, church, is, is, is when, when I was talking to the staff this past Tuesday, I was fired up. What I don't like about Zoom meetings, I like being with people. You know me well enough. But what I don't like more is not only I see them, I see me. And I look at me and I'm thinking, who is that old man? But I told the staff, don't take what I look like as just a cover. Because I want you to know there's a lion in this old man that's rising up in these days in which God is calling us as followers of Christ that we are to storm the gates of hell and it shall not prevail. God has a work for the kingdom these days. And when I walk in that walk and people see what God has done, there would come not only that respect, but there can come that fear because of thinking, I'm not going to touch that person. I have a picture of, well, I don't know if it's, it's a picture from the Free Methodist World Headquarters. It's as big as a wall. And on that wall is, is this picture of Moses. And he looked old. 
And he looked wore out. But man, you look at that picture, and I'm thinking, I'm not going to mess with that guy. Because his eyes was like fire. Because what God can do in our lives, even in the life of a harlot. Listen to this in Joshua 2.11. The Lord your God, he is God in heaven above and the earth beneath. When, when I was able to go to some of the um, um, Arizona Cardinal games because of my great nephew, he got me free tickets. One thing that they, I would hear again and again in the stands that they would say, Cardinal fans, rise up. I'm saying, church, rise up. Rise up. See, there's this confident faith that was on this woman who had a horrible background, but she knew who God was, and she embraced that. She believed in the one God, not in the multitude of gods that populated her heathen land. She believed in the personal God. She said, your God on behalf that she trusted in that. And she believed that he was the God of Israel. And she believed in that. And here's what she really believed in. I love this, is that she was, he was not just the God of Israel. She, she said that he is the God of heaven and of earth, of all things. I believe that God wants to do something mighty. And, and I believe that as we continue to go through this second chapter, and realizing that when God can use a woman with such a poor reputation, is that God could rise her up and that she became a part of the lineage of Jesus Christ, of the Messiah. And God can use anyone. And that he desires to use us. So whatever our excuse may be, bring it before the altar. And God will say, oh, I could specialize in that dysfunction. I could use you. And the beauty of that is that by that one woman, that had that faith. It's not like she could go out and preach in the cities, but she saves her whole household from total destruction because they were going to destroy that city, every single person within it, her whole household, her whole household. So I say to you as the family of God, you online and you in the sanctuary, rise up. Rise up. Let God begin to use you. So how do you want to use this broken down, dysfunctional person who has this background that I don't know what you could do with it, but God, I'm going to trust you. And I can't wait to see what he's going to do in people's lives. I'm already hearing what he's doing in the lives of, of our children. We have children 
who are coming together, children who are coming together to be discipled. And some of those kids are coming from some very tough backgrounds. And, and they're coming and wanting to be leaders and being discipled. Our students are forming together a disciple group so that they could touch their world. And here's what I know is that when you get these students in junior high and high school and these young adults in this cynical spirits, it's not that they don't believe. They want to believe in something that is real. And when we give them Christ, they will forge the way. They will storm the gates of hell because they are not worried about what other people think about them. <laughs> Look at the way they dress. <laughs> you know, how they, they're here. I mean, they have here, here, none here. I don't know, you know, it's... Uh, I'm telling you, I, I fit right in. It's, but God is asking us to rise up.